Blondes with glasses, they can't sing. Blondes with glasses, let's do this podcast thing. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Becca. <laughs> I swear my record button, it's not actually delayed, but like the image of when it starts recording is delayed. Yep. So now there's just awkward pauses at the beginning. I don't know. I, it happens to yeah. me too. I think it's definitely catching of some kind. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's our, it's our computers getting older. Oh, I'll say. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's very, very troublesome. Mm-hmm. Our relationship to technology. But yep. that's not the story today. <laughs> oh, did I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> did I tell you that I went um, to the hip, cool synagogue in D.C. 6th and I no. to um, <laughs> take a class? Um, and it's called What It Takes to Officiate Your Friend's Wedding. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and it was amazing oh my god it was so awesome and the rabbi was so cool and she was like i've done like 200 weddings in the past 20 years or whatever Mm -hmm. and here's just like some hot tips for me and she gave us like a worksheet to like fill out of like she gave us like an outline of how of how she officiates weddings and then what we can add then all the what all the jewish traditions are and it was so fabulous and I'm just so excited now to, like, to, to, to do it. Marry people? So, wait, do you want to become a rabbi? No, Julie and Zach asked me to officiate. You didn't tell me that. <laughs> I, I guess I didn't. All right, way to, like, bury the lead there. <laughs> well, it's, it hasn't been really that official, but then when we were tossing around the idea of, like, me being like maybe like a co MC sort of thing where we I just like move move the the ceremony along and they just have little planned things, and then as we're talking about it, I see this class pop up online and I go, well that looks pretty interesting. And Julie was like, yeah, do it. So now that I've taken the class, I'm like, okay, I want to do this for real. <laughs> so like I don't I don't want it to be like, and now we will light both candles to symbolize blah 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 i want it to be like hello and welcome i am here (laughs) so serious yeah so wait so would it be it wouldn't be a like a strictly jewish wedding then right no okay no it would probably be not jewish at all okay that's what i was confused about okay no it was great because the class was mostly for interfaith couples because if you are getting married by a friend Generally, that means that a rabbi or a priest or whatever is not not up for your right. <laughs> for officiating. Yes. So it's already like an unconventional sort of wedding if a friend is doing it. Yeah. And so most of the time it's interfaith couples. And then she was like, even if they're both atheists, like, this is a good, these are some good tips. And it was so true. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just great because I feel like n- none of us really had like a framework for, and then you do this, and then you do this sort of thing. And this thing that you do is rooted in this tradition and this thing you do is rooted in this other tradition. And isn't that horrifying? (laughs) You know, (laughs) sort of thing. Uh, So now I like just have an idea of it. And she mostly just gave me, gave us really good tips on like the kind of feelings you want to evoke mm -hmm. and like that sort of thing, which is just something I feel like I was just, I was like, I'll just be there and MC it. But like now it's like, no, you're, 
like creating like a sacred space for everyone oh. that is there to witness this. Like it's a big moment, take it seriously, sort of thing. That is really mushy, and I love it. <laughs> and I actually have one fact about weddings that I recently learned, which oh. will go to your. Isn't this rooted in a weird tradition and gross sort of <laughs> yeah. subsection, which is the reason brides carry flowers when they walk oh, down no. the aisle is because in the olden days, people only used to take like one bath a year. <laughs> that bath used to be in the spring, which is why weddings are so popular in the spring. Oh my God. But they would get married like a month after their bath. So they would carry, <laughs> they would carry flowers to distract Mask you from the, the smell. Oh my god. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So tell Julie that when she's picking out it's, her flowers. It's amazing. Julie's she, Julie has two different books now at this point that are like all about the bullshit of, of weddings. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they like break down each tradition and how it's all like based on commercialism or all these old traditions that are horrifying mm-hmm. or it's just like it's been made up in the last 50 years sort of thing. And it's so like when you get down to it there's literally nothing left in the whole wedding ceremony that does not have some horrifying connection to something. You know, there's, like, nothing you do where it's like, oh, I love that little tradition. It's like, it's probably not a tradition, A. (laughs) And if it is a tradition, it's probably rooted in women being, like, chattel. Yep, yep. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of horrifying. But then you have to, like, constantly remind yourself, like, this is why I'm doing this, you know, this is what I want out of this sort of thing, and Mm -hmm. sort of set aside how kind of terrifying and crazy weddings are. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that romance is not dead, and that you were there (laughs) to keep it alive. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad this class was so nice, and it, like, she did definitely talk about a bunch of things, and she was like, this comes from, you know, like, this contract originally used to be very feminist in the sense that if a woman... If, if a man left a woman, she had, he had to give her a certain amount of money that, was, that they had written out in their little contract that they made before the wedding. And that was what the contract was. And it was, it was a very feminist statement 3,000 years ago or whatever <laughs> that, you know, that the woman would be entitled to something mm-hmm. if he, like, cheated on her. Oh. Well. But now it's, like, ridiculous and outdated. We've but. come a long way, baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Well, so we, the topic for today is like, mm-hmm. I think generally when TV gets too real, right? Is that where we're going with this? I totally forgot that that was the other half of this. <laughs> I will definitely contribute, but I don't have anything pre-prepared for that bit. But yes, we are definitely putting that in there. Okay, wait, what was your half that you think? Maybe I only did that True half. True crime. <laughs> Okay, perfect, because I didn't really take any notes on that. (laughs) Fantastic. I'm sure I'll have plenty to say about both of them, but Mm -hmm. I totally forgot. We were also tying it into the whole broader thing. I feel like an idiot. (laughs) You start us off then. It's okay. Well, okay, so the reason we sort of had this on our list is because we we were recording an episode in, like, October. Oh, God, I can't even remember when it was now, but... Yeah, And they were... They moved Supergirl because of Mm -hmm. the Paris terrorist attacks. And we were sort of discussing that and, like, the history of TV getting pushed for for actual, like, tragedies Mm -hmm. in history. And then I... We were just sitting here talking, and I went and I found this Wikipedia article that was so long, and it's all about 
how, like, the list of entertainment, which was affected by 9-11. And it's such a long article. And it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting to go back and think about, like, how entertainment has been shaped by events. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of my way into this topic, which is, like, when reality TV is too real and also when when TV that's, you know, scripted is too real and and mm. how it affects us as viewers and it affects people that create it and all the, all of these very connected topics. And then on the back of that, we also both watched Making a Murderer. Right. So we also have that sort of in our minds settling as well and, like, this mm-hmm. new wave of new crime, mm-hmm. you know, new NU crime. Yeah. So that's sort yeah, of it, my take on it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting the 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 things that really hit close to home mm-hmm. with people. And then I've I've talked about this before, but the things that always bother me about when people try too hard to be like real or whatever, especially particularly with dialogue. Yeah. Where it's people, where they choose this naturalistic, this fake naturalistic dialogue where they talk over each other and they're like, isn't it just like real life where we're all being assholes, basically? <laughs> being terrible conversationalists where we're always talking over each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like they're trying to go for this, this thing that is now coveted, which is people saying, God, isn't that so real? Like that that show or that, you know, that, that, that thing that they got at was so honest and real. And now I'm just thinking about Master of None, which I don't think we've talked about on the show. We haven't. I never finished it, actually. You never finished it? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that show. But it's an interesting show because it feels a lot of the times more like a thesis statement where a guy, you know, is walking around sort of... Mm-hmm doing his stand-up or doing his, like, sort of what he's been thinking about in his head and less, like, real people having real interactions. Yes, I definitely can get on board with that. But it's still getting at something very real. Yes. You know? Like, at the end of the day, that that one episode, Ladies and Gentlemen, where they're talking about street harassment and, you know, women being belittled and stuff like that, even though maybe the conversations don't exactly word for word sound like something people would be saying to each other, what the concepts that they're getting at, and at the end of the day, the points that they made were incredibly real yeah. and very accurate. I mean, the reality of the situation is, like, real life is boring most of the time. Like, <laughs> you don't want to be watching entertainment that is, like, exactly like real life. Yeah. Because you live that every day, and you go mm-hmm. sit in front of your computer, you go sit in front of your TV, because you want to watch something that is stylized. It has mm-hmm. a, a point of view. It has something mm-hmm. to say. And if you're just going and watching a show, like, I'm trying to think of maybe the worst offenders of this sort of naturalized... I can't really think of any at the moment, but... Parenthood. Parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> I, st- I literally stopped watching Parenthood because of that. I didn't finish Parenthood. I did like it. But I do know what you mean. It it did have that sort of sentiment. Yeah, like, why watch something like that when you could watch something like Scrubs, which had has such mm. a different perspective on what we go through as, like, reality, but has that same heart. There's still the kernel of truth, like, this is what 
you have conversations with yourself during the day, and you go through right. life living like that, and you still see you it do- in the show. Yeah. It's funny because my dad, who's a doctor, mm-hmm. he hates, like, medical shows because he, he says they, they're so wrong almost yeah. all the time. You yeah. know, he's like, that's not how it works. But he's seen some of Scrubs, and he says that's the most accurate show for what it's like to be a doctor. Like, it is a little bit ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And there are, like, kind of crazy bits to it. But, like, on the whole, like, their their medicine that they were doing was pretty spot on Mm -hmm. compared to insanity, like House or, you know, something like that. Or, like, Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy, (laughs) Insanity, where it's like people are sleeping in the break room together or, you know, a bomb threat is happening in there. You know, it's like Scrubs was just about like the everyday minutia. It's like, it was a workplace comedy, you know? Yeah. And so my dad was like, yeah, that seems about accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can see how he would totally say that, though, because it is... There is a line to be drawn in, like, the Shondaland universe where it's like, this none of this could ever be real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I want to talk about reality TV a little bit, too, because we mm-hmm. are one of our I think our first episode this time last year was about The Bachelor. True. Which came back this week. Right. And, and I, Julie and Zach and I, we, Zach now made us wait for him so we could watch all three of it. Three of us together. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, so. I am not watching it anymore, as you know. <laughs> for the best. For but, the best. Yeah. I wanted to talk about like when specifically when reality TV gets too real as well. Because Mm -hmm. I think this ties in with, like, Making a Murderer and the Jinx, too, which is when, like, is there a line, is there a point when you think the people on the production crew have a duty, you know, where they need to step in? And I, Mm. I especially have been thinking about this because I just recently finished season one of Unreal, the Lifetime show right. about what happens behind the scenes of a production like The Bachelor. Right. So when you watch The Bachelor as an avid fan, do you mm-hmm. think, what do you think of like that getting too real? Like where is the line? Stuff like that. It's weird because it's so, it feels like you're ser- you're spending the whole episode searching for the moments that are real mm-hmm. because it doesn't, because now now with Unreal and with with what we know about producing reality television, we know how the strings are being pulled most of the time. We know that the girl coming out in a unicorn mask to come greet him, that was not her idea. We know that. We know that the producers handed that to her before she got out and they said, if you don't do it, you know, like, we'll give you something even more embarrassing to do. Yeah. And then she throws it off almost instantly. You know, like that sort of thing. We we can see it happening. We know that that first night is filmed basically from like 8 p.m. to like 8 a.m. Yeah. And they're just given champagne the whole night. And so when they act a little crazy and drunk and they say some crazy things, it's like, well, they're put in a really weird situation. Mm-hmm. And so you spend the entire time searching for moments where it's where the just the guy and the girl are talking to each other and it feels like a genuine interaction. Mm. And honestly, they just cut those scenes out if they do happen. (laughs) (laughs) They leave the crazy shit in. And I just, I think with The Bachelor, I think they're sort of, as entertaining as the craziness is, I think they're missing 
a big chunk of it now. And I feel like they've been leaning more into the craziness because they realize that people are watching it for comedy's sake. Mm-hmm. And, but, but I think that entire night we watched like two hours and I don't think we saw one real genuine conversation between yeah. two people. Yeah, I think it is a shame because you're right, like, there is this tipping point of when they realize that the girls that are acting, like, Ashley I or whatever from last Mm -hmm. year, and Ashley S as well from last year, who were both, like, off the scale, like, (laughs) this guy would never choose to date these women in real life, right? right? (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. But those are the women that people kept coming back to watch. You wanted to see like how it ended with them and and you know they're not going to get to the final three or whatever but Mm -hmm. there is something and the producers know that hands down and like Mm -hmm. I think watching Unreal really solidified that for me because it was always sort of you know nebulous a nebulous idea of of what goes on but then seeing that and even though it's very dramatic, overly right. dramatic, like a contestant dying and all that stuff. It was yeah, spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, even all of that, it's still, there is, like, the executive producer on that show worked for The Bachelor. She's not, yeah. she's not making it up. She knows what yeah. happens. And, and it makes good TV just to see that part of it, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited for season two. Like, mm-hmm. I actually, did you read the article about some of the stuff that's going to happen in season two. No. Can I give you a couple little tidbits? Okay. Okay. It's going to be a black bachelor. There's going to be a multi-ethnic bachelorette pool. They will have, um, one person from black lives matters. One person that's a racist. There's, (laughs) (laughs) there's going to be, it's going to be great. I'm so excited for it. It's, it It sounds so much edgier than the bachelor would ever hope. Oh, Oh, in a million in a million yeah. years. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, The Bachelor is so baffling to me because you watch Unreal and you're like, wow, they're really p- puppet masters mm-hmm. pulling these strings, doing all these things. And then you watch The Bachelor and you think, I'm not sure these producers are that smart enough <laughs> to like, pull it together. Like, just seeing certain things that they'll like write on the screen even, where it's like, there's a woman who is, uh, she was in the army and she had like a couple tours of duty in Afghanistan mm-hmm. and now she is on the show. And so, you know, on the screen, every time someone comes up, they say their name, their age, their occupation and their hometown. Mm-hmm. And the occupation category has gotten insane yes. in the last couple of years <laughs> to the point where it's uh, sometimes like this last one, there was a girl who it just said chicken enthusiast. Right. And then for the, the, the army veteran, it said war veteran. And so that's insane because her job title would be her rank in what branch of the military she was in. It would not be war veteran. (laughs) War veteran is like not a title. No, like that is not a job. (laughs) It's not a job. Like there's just these little things that they write where you're just like, do you not like it's like it's like the spell check not exists like it, it's like very basic things mm-hmm. where it's like i'm not sure this team is quite smart enough <laughs> to to be pulling off unreal uh, levels of, no, of you know manipulation um while we're talking about reality tv i also want to talk about stuff like um intervention and cops 
Mm. And so I, I was reading this one article from the New York Times. It was old. It was like 2007, I think. And it was, they were talking about how um, A&E, who's the company that sponsors or produces Intervention, they have, mm-hmm. they have no requirements for the production team to step in. And they were talking about a specific, one specific one where there was a woman who downed like a bottle of vodka and got in her car and drove away. Jesus. And, and they, you can hear the production crew say, you had a lot to drink. Do you want us to drive you somewhere? And she says, no, I'm fine. And she gets in the car and they follow, you know, they follow her as she's driving down the road. And there have been lawsuits over the years of, you know, contestants on shows trying to say like, oh, I was in danger, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, there, there's this really interesting, like intellectual property mm-hmm. sort of requirement where if you're a third party watching mm-hmm. another third party do a crime and you are happen to be filming it, there is no reason for you to step in. You do not have to step in. You do not have to call the police anything there is no requirement and so that's how production crews of these shows like cops and intervention don't have i mean cops you wouldn't call the cops they're there obviously but (laughs) but like the crew of intervention has no requirements to do anything and they and it was interesting though because intervention has like at the end of every intervention they send this person to rehab free of cost and they have uh, you know facilities for their family and everything to to go seek therapy and stuff mm-hmm. and and it seems like i've never watched an episode of intervention but that seems like already leaps and bounds above shows like the bachelor <laughs> yeah <laughs> extreme makeover which was also mentioned in the article because there was a contestant who did not win and i completely forgot extreme makeover was a show because i, mm-hmm. I it just was so replaced by extreme makeover home edition Right. But Extreme Makeover was people competing to get plastic surgery. Oh my god. And this woman did not win. And her sister commit suicide a year later, or something like that. And she sued the company saying, ABC, saying that her sister felt so bad about all the bullying that she had done to her sister for her appearance over the years that she commit suicide. And so, oh my god. I mean, there's an instance of TV getting too real. Like, if this yeah. woman is watching the playback of her sister on national TV talking about how she has these issues with her appearance because of, and it's all solidified in her mind because of years of her sister tormenting her. Mm-hmm. Of course. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, because there's this, there's this whole argument about the documentarian who mm-hmm. who can't intervene or whatever. It's only there to record. But that argument just sort of can be really chipped away at in a lot of situations like just think about the jinx where he wait 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 spoiler (laughs) we're gonna talk about the jinx and making a murder right now (laughs) when did the jinx come out wasn't that like 2014 i don't know no it was 2015 wasn't it no okay but anyway we're gonna talk about i'll just say that he had he had he was in the documentarian, first of all, completely immersed himself. He yep. put himself on camera. He made himself a focal point of this documentary. Mm-hmm. And then he was in possession of tapes, incriminatory tapes, of, of the, the, the guy he was 
Robert Durst. Robert Durst. And then it wasn't revealed until the sixth episode, like, was shown on television. Mm -hmm. And then everyone immediately said, how long were you holding on to that evidence? Didn't you, don't you have some sort of mandate? And it's, as a, as a documentarian, he, I guess he didn't really have a mandate yeah. to turn that in, you know? Yeah. But I, it's also like, ethically, don't you have a mandate to turn that in? And ethically, if you are going to be that involved in a story you're producing, like if you are the, at The Bachelor and you're housing these women, you're feeding these women, mm-hmm. you are manipulating these women into doing what you need them to do and you're not paying them anything... And they're in a. Then you have you have some sort of responsibility to them. It might not be written down in some contract that you have a responsibility to them, but ethically, I think you really do. Yeah. And I think so many of these documentaries have an ethical responsibility to their subjects, to and it doesn't have to be that they're that they're making sure that their subjects have the best outcome or that they're manipulating it so it has a certain outcome. But when you see certain things, like a woman drinking an entire bottle of vodka and then getting in a car, Mm -hmm. like, ethically, you should probably do something about that. Yeah. You know? It's a really muddled question, for sure, because you're, at at one point, yes, you would be, you could be saving lives. That woman could Mm -hmm. get in a car accident and kill herself or other people. But on the other hand, you as a producer of that, material or you of you know you as a camera person think this will be a great shot this will make our documentary you know Mm -hmm. and so I can understand where production companies come from saying saying like we don't have to step in because legally Mm -hmm. they don't they're just outsiders they're just viewing the situation as it happens Mm -hmm. but I do think there is you sent me that one article about this the evolution of new crime in the mm-hmm. results of, you know, serial and the jinx and making a murderer and how this mm-hmm. is going to start a new swell of this people wanting to see these things. Like either mm-hmm. you, it's a podcast, it's, it's a movie, it's a TV, whatever it is, but people will want to see new crime documentaries of whatever kind. And there mm-hmm. should be in that an agreement from these people that they are not just, I love that they said it's like you have to be the kind of journalist who lost a chunk of your life for this. Yeah. Because every good documentary that I recommend to people was made by somebody like that. Honestly, yeah. like the Jinx, he made the movie based on Robert Durst's life before he made, you know, the documentary The Jinx. So he's he's been doing this for mm-hmm. years and and making a murderer, those women that produced that were living in the, in the community for yeah. 10 years. <laughs> yeah. He literally picked up, moved to Wisconsin and lived there for 10 years. Yeah. That, so that and they can, yeah. That there is nothing, there's no easy way to make these. So like, that's why I think season two of Serial is suffering a little bit. It's because you can't just throw yourself into a story like this and, and expect to have the same results. You know, mm-hmm. this is not, that is the difference between, Serial and season one and the jinx and dateline, you know, mm-hmm. like at TV shows where you're just sort of showing the results of a crime or right or that sort of like just encapsulating the story. That's not what the what has people hooked about these shows. Right. It's the idea of immersing the viewer 
in the story to the point where they feel like they are also an investigator yep. in the in the crime in the story or whatever because they've seen every court document they've seen every hearing they've they've talked with every person so it's like you the viewer feel as though mm-hmm. oh well I'm solving this case too and I can see perfectly laid out how this happened because I have hindsight of 10 years and all of this evidence and all of these perfectly timed interviews all strung in a row for me. Yeah. And so it just gives you this incredible feeling like I can solve crime, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah, this is, and it's fascinating and the twists and turns and everything. And it's just because, mm. you know, truth is stranger than fiction and there's just some bizarre shit out there that will just blow your mind and, and it will also horrify you. And there's a certain amount of, of horror that we relish in, mm-hmm. in terms of often the failure of the justice system. That's what these, the, that's what Serial, The Jinx, and Making a Murderer were about. Yep. They were about the failure of the justice system in very different ways. Yeah. And it's, what ends up being the most horrifying is that this is how our justice system works. Yeah. Is you don't know the answer at the end, you know? <laughs> there isn't an answer, and yet you have to convict or not convict someone, and you don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. And you can't, but at the same time, the idea is you can't just convict someone because you don't know. Right. That's wrong, but people don't know that because the majority of crime dramas and documentaries that we've had for the past 50 years has been... There's a good guy. There's mm-hmm. a bad guy. Yeah. Law and order. Right. The bad guy did it. <laughs> and so you have to put them away. And, you know, and it's just so, it's so unfortunate that it, that it feels like our justice system doesn't allow for anything other than that. Mm-hmm. And those shades of gray. Because there isn't a way that you can, that a jury can be like, we are not entirely sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's very possible he did it. Yeah. It's also very possible he didn't. But, you know, just to be on the safe side, let's keep it blocked up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't just say that. You can't say someone might be guilty, yeah. you know, and there might never be the evidence mm-hmm. that 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 tells you one way or the other. Yeah. Never. Yeah. And that is so unsatisfying. It is. <laughs> Nobody wants that. And I think that's why they these things have take have just been taking by the world by storm because it's something you can talk about and argue about mm. because there is no answer. And so people can be like, so did he do it? If he didn't do it, who did? Let's all figure it out together, you know, collectively. Yeah. Let's all investigate <laughs> this crime. And it's like, you're never going to know. You have to make peace with that. And yeah. at the same time, you shouldn't make peace with that because there's potentially an innocent man sitting in jail for the rest of his life. Yep. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, okay, let's <laughs> move away from true crime for a minute because okay. I do want to go back to... Um, the response to 9-11 on American mm-hmm. TV because I was actually like so fascinated by it just like mm-hmm. how how different networks responded how some of them were you know very collective in their response and everything and it's sort of I don't know it was like making me kind of emotional because I was just like when entertainment industries want to work together they can Yeah, because you realize like and I, I read through, I really recommend that Wikipedia article, actually. Like, I think everybody should read it top to bottom. It is so fascinating because it, like, already 
in, I don't know if this is the same for you, but when tragic events happen, you, they happen, you know, you remember them in your minds, but you don't ever associate a time with them. Like the only other tragedy I remember specifically date wise is Hurricane Katrina happened in 2004. And that's five. No. Oh, I might be wrong. See, this is the thing. It's like, I cannot, I cannot remember when, what year Columbine happened. I cannot remember what year, you know. Katrina was 2005, right? I don't know. Now I'm I'm Googling this. Okay. (laughs) Google it, please. Because I do not know. Like, so anyway. I know I, I know we were in eighth grade, but. Yeah. So I think, especially for people that are our age, it's really interesting to go back and, and what was 2004 five damn it (laughs) so okay i just i proved my point which is we were almost freshmen when it happened august of 2005 august 2005 yeah yeah so that's there's my point proven right there which is (laughs) it's so easy in your everyday life to just sort of mush all of the past together that Mm -hmm. i think it's a really interesting study to just go back and look at what happened for like in the entertainment industry for following nine eleven, and just look at it for like what happened the first week, what happened the first month mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what, what, how, how did everybody respond? And to look at it with this, you know, the binoculars looking back, it's so interesting because you know, like it, it happens on a smaller scale every year. It happened mm-hmm. with, you know, Supergirl and, and all these mm-hmm. other times that sort of just pass by and you don't even think about it. But it's somebody's job in Hollywood to think about it. Yeah. So let me just do the what happened six, you know, five days later, all this stuff. So right. first of all, the and I don't know, did you watch the coverage, the news coverage live when it was happening on September 11th? Hmm. You would have been in no, school, probably. I was in school. They didn't let us out, so it wasn't until I got home Okay, like 3 in the afternoon. I was. We were in fifth grade, right? I mm-hmm. I was in Mrs. Weibel's class, and we were watching the news in class. Wow. So we saw the second... They wouldn't tell us anything. They just said... They were just, like, crying, and then they wouldn't... Really? They wouldn't tell us why. They wouldn't tell us why students were being taken home. They oh wouldn't God. tell us why the teachers were upset. They just said... Something bad has happened. Oh my god. Okay. Which is awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if that's any more awful than us, because we watched the second plane hit the tower. Okay. And then we turned off the TV. But, okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so there was 93 continuous hours of news coverage on all major networks, following wow. on starting on September 11th. And this was the first time since JFK that they all the networks announced there would be no commercials and no programs for an indefinite period of time. Mm-hmm. This is also the first time when the news ticker was ever used, which mm, I wow. had no idea about, which it was Fox news introduced it. And it was because there was so much information coming in from different sources because of, you know, it wasn't just New York. It was also Shanksville, Pennsylvania and the Pentagon. So mm-hmm. they, they introduced the ticker because they couldn't report it all at the same time. Yeah. Which I think is fascinating. Hmm. And then, so most stations were airing coverage from their parent stations. So, you know, the CW, which was then the WB, would have been, you know, were they owned by NBC, I think? 
or were they UPN at the time? Oh my gosh. (laughs) But so they were all airing things that, you know, ABC family would have been airing stuff from ABC only news coverage. Um, there were other networks that stopped airing altogether and just had a sympathy card, which was the food network, HGTV, DIY, oxygen, and QVC. There were other networks that weren't paired with any parent company, like Comedy Central and A&E and History, Game Show Network, Sci-Fi, and Bravo, which had regular programming. And then the Weather Channel, regular programming, but they introduced also airline coverage to talk about, you know, airports, Mm -hmm. what was happening at the Mm -hmm. airports. And then PBS member stations, as well as all children's stations, continued their normal kids' lineups. So, you know, Comedy Central, Nick, Disney, Boomerang were all airing Mm -hmm. stuff because kids were at home. And I don't remember. Yeah. Do you remember how long you weren't in school for? No. I don't either. I'm not even sure I remember not being in school. I don't either. (laughs) I don't remember anymore. I was going to text my dad and I was going to ask him if he remembers how many days we weren't in school because I definitely remember, like, watching the news with my parents. But I don't remember having, like, a week off of school. I remember that my dad was in, I want to say Cuba at the time. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> um, at an Air Force base. Wow. And I remember he couldn't come home for, he was supposed to come home like the next day or something. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't come home for like a week because the air, the air travel was not happening. Yeah. So that's what I remember. I don't remember if I didn't go to school or not. I just remember yeah. being like, is my dad going to come home? <laughs> Okay, and so let's get into what happened after this. So this is all the first dates. So six days later, uh, David Letterman aired for the first time. John Stewart was three days after that, so that was nine days after the attacks. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until a month later that SNL aired with that famous, Mm -hmm. you know, Mayor Giuliani. But then you have to take into consideration the film industry because the film industry didn't get they didn't fil- make United, United 93 or World Trade Center until five years after September 11th. And people were saying then still, they still were like, too it's soon. too soon. Yeah. So f- going back to TV, the most, the, the Wikipedia article said that the most, oh, it wasn't even Wikipedia. There was another article I was reading um, from HitFix. And they said the most immediate change was David Engel was the co-creator and co-executive producer of Frasier, and he was on Flight 11, and he died. So that was the most immediate change in Hollywood, was he was gone. Um, But also the 2001-2002 season was put on hold for a month because shows like Crossing Jordan were were scheduled to premiere the next day, so Mm -hmm. they pushed all them back. The Emmys were scheduled for the 16th, but they were delayed Mm -hmm. until the 7th, which... But they were then delayed again because we started bombing Afghanistan mm-hmm. and postponed until the 4th. The Latin Grammy Awards never aired. They were a press conference instead. The Wheel of Fortune episodes from the week of September 11th never aired, and they were never rerun on Game Show Network. And then there are, like, movies where there's a lot of movies that had to, you know, digitally delete the Trade Centers, or, like, Sex and the City removed it from their intro, The Sopranos mm-hmm. removed it from their intro. Um, but there were some that I didn't know about, like, Lilo and Stitch, where at the the ending, Stitch is flying around in the mountains, you know, with a spaceship, and it was supposed to be he was flying around 
buildings. He didn't mm-hmm. crash or anything. He was just flying near buildings. Oh, God. And they deleted that. Um, so there's also, in response to September 11th, shows like The West Wing, they did their special episode, Isaac and Ishmael, mm-hmm. which was only three weeks after 9-11 that aired. Which is, wow. that's unbelievable, isn't it? That they created that in such so short a time. Yeah, because it takes, like, eight days or something to film a television yeah. show. Yeah. Like an episode. Wow. Yeah. Um, Third Watch was airing at the time, and they had th- they had a full month of 9-11 content. So, like, the first week was a two-hour documentary about first responders in New York. And then the next week was two episodes surrounding 9-11 and then the next week was another episode about Ground Zero and then 24 was was premiering in that season 2001-2002 um, and the showrunners thought that it was never going to air because it was about you know stopping terrorism right and instead the network said yes please and they they <laughs> put it on air and the only there were only a few tweaks, including the ending of the season, the, f- the finale, because it was a terrorism plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one that I was most interested in to read about was Battlestar Galactica, which was also considered a response to 9-11, oh. which I had never thought of before. But as right. soon as they mentioned it, I had like an immediate flashback to the, the wall on the ship. They mm-hmm. had like the wall of remembrance with all the photos mm-hmm. And I was like, of course, that was lifted directly from Ground Zero. Yeah. And then you think about Battlestar Galactica even more, and you think, oh my gosh, <laughs> it is a civilization that is trying to rebuild following right. an attack. It's exactly, exactly mm-hmm. like it. But, I don't know. I just wanted to talk to you about when, when do you think is too soon? And also, related question... Like, what do you think of shows pushing, you know, we're going to delay airing this episode for a week? Do you think that's enough? Do you think that's, you know, them trying to cover their asses in some respects? What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, like, it doesn't feel like... It feels ridiculous. It does. Like, it feels like a pageant, you know? It, it just feels like, what? You know, like, you... So you have... Like, let's take Supergirl, for example, because that's the most recent one mm-hmm. in memory. And Mr. Robot was also yep. very re- recent, too, where it's a terrorist attack happens. The show somewhat features things that are sort of similar. You know, mm-hmm. it's an action superhero show. It's going to have bombs. Yeah. Um, and But then they say, well, out of respect, we'll just play it a week later. <laughs> yeah. Because everybody will feel better by then, right? <laughs> right. Because the world Ugh. will have been healed, and there will be no more terrorism. Right. In world a week. peace. And so then we can have media about it. It just seems baffling, and I I can't imagine that those who are most deeply affected by the tragedies would care. <laughs> you know, like they're not watching Supergirl right now. Right. They're busy. Yeah. You know, and they they don't care that a show vaguely sort of resembles, like, a show that was... Everyone knows that these things are not aired... They're not made live, you know? Yeah. These things are pre-recorded and pre-made. Like, they're not... 
they're not doing they're not airing to be malicious they're just airing like I don't think we're that like I, I don't know where this came from this idea of someone airing something vaguely related to it and then people saying that's offensive yeah and sa- some and people saying too soon mm-hmm. because it doesn't make any sense unless it's literally like a, a, a you know United 93 or whatever the movie mm-hmm. coming out you know, November 2001, you know? Yeah. That's probably offensive and too soon. Yeah. But if it's like, oh, this episode sort of has, you know, bombs in it, mm-hmm. it just it just feels like just pageantry. It just feels like an empty gesture that doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one that I was most, like, huh? About <laughs> when I was sort of researching, like, like, the one that definitely made sense was, in my mind, was the Buffy episode, Earshot, mm. where mm-hmm. it's a school shooting, it was a month after Columbine. Like, that makes sense because that's a younger audience watching TV, watching that show. Maybe that's a good one to pull. And they also, yeah. they pulled that episode until the following season, which is different than waiting a week, you know? Mm-hmm. But the one that I really was very confused about was, there's an episode of Hannibal with Molly Shannon as the guest star, and she is a woman that's brainwashing very young children, like eight years old, to murder their entire families. And they... That episode never aired on US TV, which I did not know, <laughs> because showrunner, they decided, following Sandy Hook and the Boston Marathon bombings, to not air that, because it dealt with children and crimes. And I was like so confused (laughs) because I understand like that was the most gruesome gruesome show on TV maybe that's a good reason not to air it but (laughs) yeah but the fact that it's like it also has children in the episode was so baffling to me yeah it's part of this whole cultural conversation of well we can't talk about it right now we're too emotional we're too raw we can't talk about it just we'll t- we'll be able to talk about it later. We'll be able yeah. to to come at it completely rationally <laughs> later, you know. And it's like no, we're never gonna be rational about this. The time to talk about it is right after it's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever th- this is all this is about the gun control debate, obviously. And it, whenever <laughs> that comes up, and people say it's too soon after the thing, it's like if you don't do it now, you're never gonna do it. And plus, there's a goddamn shooting every goddamn day. Yeah. So it's just. It's just part of this, it just feels like another tactic to just delay a cultural conversation. Because yeah. that Buffy episode, uh, where it's almost a school shooting, yeah. but she talks him down from it, and it's and it's very insightful. It and is. it's a great episode. It and it really episode. talks about what motivates people and that sort of thing. And the idea that it had to be delayed to the point where it's not quite as relevant mm. anymore is kind of a shame yeah. because we're all have when we all are having that cultural conversation it's nice to have media that can reflect it and i mean yes if that if it does it in a nuanced and interesting way like that episode of buffy did versus you know supergirl and it's ridiculousness <laughs> maybe that doesn't really enhance the cultural conversation yes. but delaying it a week doesn't really help at all change that you know it doesn't change the fact that it's still a silly superhero show yeah you know um so it's just yeah it's i think i remember when you told me that view from the top yeah was delayed it was the most insane to me that was delayed for like 
a year or two years, I think, because that is it was about bananas. flight attendants. <laughs> yeah, it's this Gwyneth Paltrow movie that I adore. I also adore it. Mark Ruffalo in it. Uh, so this good. movie so much. Yep, and it's just literally a silly, adorable rom com about flight yeah. attendants. And because of nine eleven, it was like these. It's sort of things because there is no rhyme or reason to it. It's baffling. Yeah, you know, it, it does. There is no standard. It seems like Mm-mm. for these things. And so when the decisions are made, it's just sort of like. Well, that makes no sense, but, you know. <laughs> I also, I think... We haven't decided like, on anything. It's adding to this sort of idea that our, specifically our generation, for some reason, is too sensitive. Like... Yeah. I really hate that when people talk about that. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're coddled and, and the environment we grew up in. Like, obviously, if you're pulling shows off of networks following events and you, you don't think we can handle it, then we're going yeah. to some, in, somewhere in our minds minds think we can't handle this <laughs> right so yeah we're gonna need we're, we're gonna say to ourselves stuff like well we can't deal with it now we gotta deal with it in a week yeah <laughs> you know we will, we'll talk about it in a week we'll talk about it in a month yeah you know it's oh, like God. that that's what's that's what the culture is that they're creating mm-hmm. and yeah and this whole idea of belittling millennials and stuff for saying stuff like we want a safe space mm-hmm. to talk about certain things and it's like lumping this all in with yeah they can't handle it they're so sensitive to different yeah. things and it's like it's it's very diff it's very it's very broad the, the way that they talk about it and it's it's so much more nuanced than that it's it's so much it's, it's about is what you're saying blatantly offensive yes we will be sensitive to that versus <laughs> is your movie a silly movie about flight attendants mm-hmm. we can handle that yeah you know it's like <laughs> It's it's the difference between being flat out offensive and being patronizing, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, it's just that's a hundred percent what it is. I love it. Yes, patronizing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just summed just, it up right there. Yeah, just don't treat the public like children. Yeah, the public is a lot smarter than you think, yeah. and every time really intelligent, nuanced things go do really well. I'd like to think that people would look at that and be like, oh, the public is smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they can handle this. But then Donald Trump will do really well in the polls, and it's just like, I, I, maybe, I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm just going to walk off a bridge. <laughs> Please don't. Please. We need, you, we need you in our lives. This podcast cannot go on without you. Mm. Even though Zach could take your place, he wouldn't be as good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Zach. I hate to tell you the truth. <laughs> Uh, the truth is that he could replace me at any point. Yeah, yeah sorry, Zach. That you're you're a standard, and Shannon's just waiting in the wait. Waiting. Um, oh, speaking of people that listen to the show, I want to give a shout out because we have a new listener. Uh, oh, Lisa is now listening to the show. Fantastic, Perry's girlfriend. So hi, Lisa. From Lisa's mattresses. <laughs> what? Is that a local mattress no, store I, in DC? I know it's the every podcast I feel like I listen to is advertising Lisa's mattresses. Oh, I've not heard that ad yet. Really? <laughs> no. What about Casper mattresses? No. Oh, yes. Yeah, I did hear. Yeah. Some for Casper. There's certain companies that you just hear about about thirty times a day yep. from your favorite podcasters, and some of them, Paul Tompkins, not to name anyone, <laughs> <laughs> spends. Four to five minutes, minutes so long. on an ad. So long. And then he gets mad at us during the podcast where he's like, listen to the, the stupid ads. And we're like, <laughs> no. no, I'm not going to listen <laughs> to four and a half minutes of you talking about something I've already heard about. Yeah. 
Yeah. That is a totally different conversation. I yes. apologize. <laughs> I would love... I just needed to say that because I'm so sick of these, like, especially comedy people yeah. being like, I'm just going to riff about this thing. And it's like, I already have Blue Apron. Don't talk to me about it for five minutes. <laughs> like, and don't be mad at me when I fast forward through your five minute long spiel about a product I already own or I've already determined I don't need. Yep. Or you can't afford Casper yeah, mattresses. Yeah, can't afford. <laughs> or like, like, I, like I'm going to get that, that, what is that one where they send you... MeUndies. Where they send you junk in a box that's like oh, action yeah. figures and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm hoping to clutter up my apartment once a month for... Muddy and, and hope I like like 30% of the items. Yep. Uh, here's a spoiler alert for that service. There's probably no Ray action figures in those boxes either. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Yeah. I think we're done with the whole two, true crime too real. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So I have a retraction and an addition Ooh. to our Star Wars discussion. Okay, great. Go for it. So retraction is I apologize about Lupita and the, my, my, con- I, not that I, I do wish that we could have seen Lupita Nyong'o's face, yes. but I did read that interview yes. that she gave yep. where she talked about why she specifically chose a CGI part, and it was because 12 Years a Slave was so much about her body, and she liked the idea of being disconnected from I her did. body. I'm glad she had that interview because that really yes. cleared it up. I love that. And I feel so much better about it now, and that was like literally my one caveat about the movie, and now I'm fine. Yep. So, Great. <laughs> the addition is we were talking about Ben Schwartz and what that was uh-huh. that he did and com- he was on Comedy Bang Bang literally that episode came out the day after our episode came out oh. where he talked about um, what that meant yes. <laughs> and how he's like good friends with J.J. Abrams and J.J. was like come into the studio and just like talk as BB-8 in these scenes like what would BB-8 say <laughs> and so he did that and then at one point he was working on a movie and so he they, they brought in Bill, Bill Hader. Hader yeah and he did the same thing. Oh. They're like, talk is BB-8. Oh, and my then God. <laughs> they tran they sort of like translated that into beeping sounds. Oh, my God. That's yeah. Amazing. So now, more than anything, all I want is on the bonus features, them, yes. those two, in the studio, <laughs> talking is BB-8. <laughs> oh, my God. I would buy a Blu-ray player just to watch the special edition Blu-ray version of that movie <laughs> with that. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Oh, my God. Well, if anybody wants to see uh, our listeners, if you want to know how my adventure went today when I went out looking for Ray action figures Mm. in Dublin, go to our Twitter account at BWG Podcast, because you can see my live tweet of me trying to find (laughs) action figures. (laughs) So yeah, you'll have to go there to see that. Um, Do you have any recommendations for me? I do, mm-hmm. I do, and hopefully it sort of leads into a future episode we have where mm-hmm. we talk about the mid-season shows. Cool. Um, because I've tried out a couple different mid-season shows. Um, I'm not, obviously not very far into them, but two of them I feel like I'm, I'm willing to give my stamp of, of approval on at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both half-hour comedies because I think everyone needs more of those in their yes, life. Yes, 100%. <laughs> and the first one is Superstore uh, with America Ferrera mm-hmm. and whatever his face is, who's everywhere. <laughs> what is his name? <laughs> ben Feldman. Is that his name? Yeah. Sure. I think that's his name. I'll take it. <laughs> and it's like, it's them in like a big box, like a Walmart mm-hmm. or Target. Um, and 
it's I've seen four episodes so far, and it's very amusing. And one of the latest episodes was kind of amazing, where they were set, they were giving up free samples of salsa, and they asked the what like the there were two like Latina employees in the store, and they asked the other one besides America Ferrera, and they were like, "Do you want to do it?" <laughs> and she like they gave her a sombrero and she starts doing this accent that she doesn't have because she's from like Kansas City or something <laughs> and America Ferrera is sitting on the side like this is not right this is offensive what she's doing and then all these things inspire and it just turns out to be this really great episode where they talk about like race and doing accents and like what's offensive and you know all these different things oh, and and how good. and like how useless those stupid videos are for employees that actually discuss race and things like that <laughs> Um, and it was just, it's, re- it's really great, and so it's delightful. Superstore is the name of it. And then the other one, I've only seen one episode of, but I really hope it's going to be good, because it's called Angel from Hell, mm-hmm. and it's Jane Lynch and Maggie Lawson. Oh, yeah, Two people I adore. Yes. And Jane Lynch is her guardian angel, who's also kind of like a crazy drunk person. <laughs> <laughs> and is just like following her around, and like helping her fix her life. Mm-hmm. And it's just... I enjoy it a lot so far, and so hopefully it continues to be nice. That's great. I will put both of them on my list for sure. Um, this is a follow-up because I feel like we've talked about it before. I know we have off-air, definitely, but I really mm-hmm. want to recommend you watch Gallivant. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Yes. I watched all of Gallivant last week. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. I watched the entire first season, I think, in one day, in Ugh, one sitting, probably. So good. Because it's half hour. Yeah. And, yes, because people kept talking about it, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, second season starting, I'll, I'll do this. Perfect. And it's delightful. Okay, well, that wasn't my real recommendation anyway. So <laughs> my Great. real recommendation is, do you listen to stuff... Your mom never told you podcast? No. Okay. I do not. That's okay because there's one episode mm-hmm. that I really want to recommend. I listened to it the other day. It's called Gilmore Girls and Guys. Mm-hmm. And because you are a fan of Gilmore Girls, right? Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. I thought so. Um, it is a great podcast just starting off at the bat. That podcast is really good. That episode is also very good because they talk about, you know, the all the behind the scenes stuff that happened at Gilmore Girls and like the future of it now that it's moving to Netflix for their Mm -hmm. special episodes. And also they have a section of that podcast where they have a crossover with another podcast, which I think is called Gilmore guys. Yeah. And it's, I've never listened to that podcast before, but it's these two guys. Mm -hmm. One of them is a huge fan and one of them has never watched the show before. So it's the four, four of them talking about why they love Gilmore Girls if you were a guy in Gilmore Girls, which guy would you be? <laughs> it's just really goofy, and I think it's a good thing to listen to while we're getting, we're all sort of ramping up our excitement for, you know, the return of Gilmore Girls, which we should all be excited yeah. about. So I would definitely recommend that specific episode. It's the most recent one. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Get Zach ready for us. We got a pun. I, I am so delighted that I always forget i know well while you're getting it from your phone will you tell us the story about what when you recorded one and you thought the joke was (laughs) (laughs) we recorded the full version of that um so we will play that in a couple weeks but or i could do that one now because i'm telling the story yes do that one now since you're playing okay so basically zach 
is recording a pod with me back when I was visiting, and he kept doing... He kept doing more to the point where I didn't know that I was supposed to keep responding. I thought, like, <laughs> this is the pod now. And I, there was at one point he goes, and I was like, how's it going? And he goes, I got fired. <laughs> and then I just paused for a really long time because I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> it's not a pun. doesn't make any sense. And I kept trying to work it out. And he was like, you're supposed to ask me. Why did I get fired? <laughs> I was like, how was I supposed to know that? <laughs> oh, now man. I'm not certain. I think that was the last one that we did, so I'm going to say it's this one, but watch I tell that whole story and I play the rest of it. <laughs> Either way, good story. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Hey, Rebecca. <laughs> You know how I uh, just stopped my business uh, sharpening pencils? Yeah. Yeah, I actually got another job. I uh, started working at a calendar factory. Oh, hell that. Well, I actually just got fired. Oh, no, why? Well, I guess they really don't like it when you take a day off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I thought it, I thought you would pick the wrong one, and he was going to say, I'm taking it day by day. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Was that good? good? That was pretty good yeah, for Shannon. That's all right. <laughs> but now I'm mad because it was we did these in order, and he's referencing the pun that he did before that. Oh no, so, I ruined it. <laughs> yeah, you ruined it all because you had to make me tell the story. Oh god, I'm sorry. All right, I apologize, listeners. I apologize, Zach. <laughs> 